Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I love your pocket. This is gold. This is where it's at. Today, my guest is Eddie the Truck Gordon. Eddie and I first met several years ago when I was building my first company, Golden Gear Boxing. Eddie was the winner of The Ultimate Fighter, Season 19, and currently an entrepreneur and motivational speaker and founder of the Eddie Truck Gordon Foundation, whose mission is to help underprivileged kids live a life of success and to put an end to drug abuse. In this podcast, we talk about Eddie's journey to the UFC, his self-belief that helped get him there, and the adversity he faced following getting released from the UFC. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever went to a ball game, a basketball game, or even a boxing fight or UFC fight and watched the players perform and said, I want to do that. And not only do I want to do that, but I can do that. Well, in essence, that is Eddie's story. You will hear it in just a few moments. But in short, that guy went to a UFC fight with no boxing experience, no jujitsu experience and said, I can do that. I can compete at the highest level went on to lose tons of weight and became a UFC fighter and ultimately the winner of the UFC reality TV show, The Ultimate Fighter. There are so many bits of gold in this podcast and Eddie really dives into how to pursue your dreams and make it worth it and live a life worth living. So with that, I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, so you used to be a big boy. You lost a tremendous amount of weight. So you played football in, in high school, I'm assuming when you were growing up too, right? Yeah, so like football, like my, uh, I want to say football, that was my first true, true love. Like I wanted to play in the pros. I watched all these you know, professional athletes. I was a big believer in like setting my goals. And that was it, man. I, like I thought that was the end all be all for me, right? And, you know, I went to high, uh, high school football, super successful. Long Island Championship, first one of my school's history. Got a Division One scholarship. Go to Florida University to play uh, football. Ended up having a really good career there. Uh, all All American, academic, All American, All Conference. Two time captain at Fordham, and I was vertically challenged. You know, so when I when I had opportunity to go to the NFL Combine, you know, it didn't work out too great for me. The Jets were, were the one team that was willing to give me a shot. But they wanted me to go to like Saskatchewan, CFL, play with some higher competition, higher level. And I was like, man, I want to do that. And that kind of like segued me right into like the finance world. I was one of those kids that I love the sport of football, but I always were fully aware that it's a really, really short time of your life. Make sure that I have some academics behind me. I want to have a back, a fall, fallback plan. So I went to JP Morgan and ended up working in finance over there. And something was just missing, man. Like I was in, on the outside world, but my family, my friends, they thought I was super successful because I was making really good money at a really young age. And I had a family uh, and I, everything was like, it looked great from the outside. But on the inside, 
I was just empty, man. Like, like I was always the fun, happy-go-lucky person, but I was just truly, truly empty. I was like, this, what is this? And I got tired, burnt out, and I went to a UFC event. And I was at UFC 101, I remember it, because it was Anthony Silver versus Forrest Griffin. It was like my first live event ever. I never really followed the UFC, but I was sitting there, and I was watching these fights, and I was like, yo, talking to all my buddies, my coworkers, the CEO of my company, and they're like all laughing. They're like, yo, listen, it's the Man Red Bull talking. There's no way this fat 325-pound man could go into this cage, this octagon, and compete with this guy's level. And I was like, it wasn't the liquor talking. It was just the belief that I had in myself. And, you know, I don't got to tell you, you're you were a super young guy starting a business. People probably doubted you, said there's no way it's going to happen. Nobody to take you seriously. None of my friends took me seriously, except for the one person that I probably knew the most. And that was like the CEO of my company. He was like, he looked at me, he was like, yeah, you think you could do this? I'm like, well, I wrestled in high school, man. I was a great wrestler. You know, high school story, right? I'm a great wrestler. If you think I'm a good football player, I'm a better wrestler. And I played flag football with him on his, his, his company's team. And he was like, all right, well, if you're serious about it, I'll sponsor you. I'll, you, if you, you take this seriously, oh I believe God. in you. And I'm looking like this guy's crazy. But he literally went out on him. He sponsored me. I was able to train. I was able to quote unquote work. But, you know, it was good when the, the owner of the company is like, like your sponsor. Yeah. He literally gave me the opportunity of a lifetime. And within six oh, months, man, I had my first fight, which oh, is unheard of. Why? You know, six months of training, had no boxing, no kickboxing, nothing. Had my first fight and it went super well. Did you wrestle in college or n- not at all? No wrestling in college. And this is going to sound crazy. I don't think I ever told anybody this. All throughout my, 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 like, my college football career, I would have these crazy dreams that I was wrestling. And I'm sitting like that. I was like, and I, and I said to myself, after wrestling high school, I said, I'll never cut weight again in my life because I was the most miserable thing on the planet. I will never lose weight. I'll never lose weight. And literally, I would have these dreams about me competing, me wrestling. I'm like, what in the world is me? There's no above 25-year-old wrestling like like tournament. Like it was just it wasn't it wasn't like feasible in my mind. And I wasn't gonna join WWE. <laughs> Sure, sure enough, like literally like a few years later, I'm literally cutting weight, I'm wrestling <laughs> as my background, and like, I'm fighting like full time. So it was just crazy. But literally made a resolution to myself that if I didn't make it to the UFC, which was highest at that point, like, the highest mixed martial arts there was, I was like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not chasing this dream. I'm not, I, was, I was like, that's it. Like 30, that was my goal. Make it to the UFC, make it to the UFC by 30. And literally on my 30th birthday, I won the Ultimate Fighter show the same exact time, like like right at the 30th, I think so. What, so that's six years ago now? And look back on it, I'm a little bit mad at myself, so I feel like I set my goals a little bit too low instead of like, like and I like I hit it. At that point, I thought it was the most craziest <laughs> goal because I started fighting at 27 years old. I was literally fat, overweight. No boxing experience. Like zero boxing. The only boxing experience I had was watching like Mike Tyson knock his way out <laughs> on TV. Any jujitsu experience or none? You know, I, I, I had literally no experience. <laughs> it's crazy. So you, you had a short stint trying out for, for the NFL? Yeah. So literally, that was like probably the shortest stint there was. I literally I had an agent. I, uh, like the agent, he had some big clients. They, they were walking into the Jets. They were like, listen, we like you, but we just, you know, it's, only 55 guys on the NFL roster spots. 52 of them are active. So they're like, listen, 
go to CFL, we'll play against some competition, and then we'll probably bring you up mid-season. And at that point, I was like, I'm not going to Saskatchewan, Rough Riders. Like, it was another country, different time zone. It was freezing cold. I was like, dude. And I was like, I was salty. I was bitter. I, I'm like, like, I was bitter as could be. I didn't really have the mindset that I have now. Like, I, I didn't do personal development yet. I was just like a young kid that's like, what do you mean? I'm not fuck you, forget you. I was like really super stubborn, super hothead. And that I was messed up, man. It literally broke me up, like broke me down. I thought I was going to get friends that played in the NFL. I had teammates that played. And I was like, I'm good enough. Like, why, why not me? And I always felt like I was falling short. So like when I started thinking about seriously getting mixed ball shots, I thought I was like, I'm not settling for, you know, anything less than the NFL of the mixed martial arts world. Opportunities to go to like Bellator, smaller promotions, and I would turn it down because I was like, I want the UFC. Like that was just, you know, my image. That's what I first saw. And I said, there's nothing else. That was the only thing I was settled for. Yeah. So obviously playing in the NFL is like, it's like making it to the UFC. It's as elite as you can get. So what do you think? Like, do you have a sense of what the reason was that you just like didn't make, make the cut? Yeah, they said I was too short. I played it. I played a Division One Double A, which is a little bit lower level uh, football, beside like the Miami's, the, the Ohio States. So they said they, they I did well there, but they want to see me play against the highest competition because when you go to the NFL, man, you're you're playing against the best of the best of the best. Like everybody's all American, so they're like they don't want to risk a spot, a roster spot, and, and you know, and I didn't fit those boxes. Like my position, everybody's supposed to be six two, six three. I was 5'11", three quarters. So I wasn't the height. I wasn't the weight. That, so it was just a lot of a lot of craziness that I, that I don't agree with because, hey, I, I, I know I could have played. I, I, I still feel I could have played. But everything happens for a reason. Football is a brutal sport, man. Brutal, brutal sport. So what was that like? I imagine you're dreaming about this from high school and college. What was that experience like, not getting that shot that you wanted? Oh, it was, it was devastating. It was devastating. Like, like to this day, I still hold a grudge. <laughs> it was devastating because, like, when people tell you you can't do something, you want to complete it, you know, that much more. So, but my teacher, I used to tell my teacher I wanted a professional athlete, professional football player. They used to, like, get into a dream. That's not going to happen. And that bothered me. Like, yeah. I worked and I worked and I worked and I gave it, like, my all. Like, I didn't even, like, touch alcohol in high school. None of that stuff. I just said, I'm going to keep my body as best as possible. And when somebody tells you, like, your dream's over and you don't even have, a, like, like, like any closure with it, it just comes, like, out of nowhere, you're like, what in the world? Like, that's just, it's just devastating. And then when you were at that UFC fight, that's when you decided, that's when you committed internally. You're like, I'm going to become a mixed martial artist. That, that was literally, I, I didn't, at that point, I didn't even know it was, like, mixed martial I didn't know what it was. I'm like, I, <laughs> do this i was literally watching these two guys fight and i was watching with different eyes man i was glued on the octagon I'm like yo this is the craziest thing like who i had literally had goosebumps my adrenaline was flowing i was like in tune like i couldn't hear the crowd i just was so laser focused on the three guys in the cage the two guys fighting and, and the referee I'm like yo i have to be that guy and like my friends they just thought i was crazy they're like there is no possible way at that point i was 27 years old I was 325 pounds, and they're like, dude, these guys have been training for this 10, 20, 15 years before they even got here. You think you're going to just, like, you got, you got to be 30 years old. Like, that's it. You're done. I'm like, what if, like, it couldn't rest of me. And it was like, it was this sick belief in myself that it didn't matter what anybody thought, I was going to get it done. 
where do you think that inner belief comes from? You know, a lot of a lot of people they have dreams, but I guess for you particularly, you know, you were told you're you're too big, uh, you're too old, you've never done this in your life. Like, where do you think that inner dialogue comes from? Where do you have that inner dialogue? Like I said earlier, I truly, truly like believe that I built this because I wasn't this this person. I wasn't this person. I literally grew into this person. I was never personally developed person. I read books. That was mentally tough. I was always a scrappy kid, but I think you know, through all the trials and tribulations of my life, all of the failures, all of the upsets, all of the heartbreaks, it literally prepared me for it. Because I was like at that point when I was watching, I was like, "Listen, this is the highest level. All right, great, enough's enough. Like I'm not selling for anything less." In high school, I finished the second. I finished second in the state. I finished uh, as a junior. I finished second in the counties. I I was always like falling short. Like, like I went to an amazing school, to a Ford University, one double A, which is a great school. So I was like, I felt short from playing at the biggest football school in the world. So I always felt like I was right there, elite, right at the top. And I always fell short. And I was like, this is it. Like, I'm not, I'm not allowing myself to not get, you know, the best from me. And that's to be you know, in the highest level of mixed martial arts. And I thought I competed against some of you know guys that were no doubt in my mind more skilled than me, like they had way more experience. They on paper they should have beat me. This business banker had no business like coming <laughs> into a sport and like beating some of these guys. And I felt like every time I would win, it would be like, okay, I guess this guy is serious. Okay, I guess this guy is serious. And it was just like consistently like just proving people wrong and just saying that listen, I'm here to stay. Yeah, maybe you had a chip on your shoulder also from not making it to the NFL, you were just like, I'm committed to this. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, man. I truly believe it. So you think people can develop that like internal dialogue with themselves? There's no doubt. I truly, truly believe that, that, that we all have the ability, right? We all have the ability like, to, to mentally get stronger. Like we're not grown based on each other. You know, like you can't lift weights. You can't run sprints. You can't do anything physically to actually make your mind stronger. And just living through these experiences and just, just I like to say, like, callousing your brain. If you look at some of the highest levels of football, you look at some of the highest levels of basketball, what sets these guys apart is their, their mindset. You look at Michael Jordan. It's really hard to say anybody's better than him because he's done so much more with, with less. Like, you look at some of the, the athletically gifted basketball players, like the LeBron James. You look at some of the guys now. They're phenomenal, but... This guy was doing things on another level, and he was just – he had the flu. There's guys that are not playing because they got sprained pinkies. Like, he just would not – he would just not settle for anything less than, than greatness. When you're at that elite level, whether it be NFL or UFC, do you think, like, you know, let's let's take Anderson Silva and Forrest Griffin. How much do you think their, like, mental toughness, mental grit is the factor in – and what pushes them to get the the victory or not? I mean, at that level, you're you're already putting like a you know one elite specimen versus versus another elite elite athlete. I, I, yeah, I have to I have to say it's definitely the mental the mental part. I think it's you know the physical part is it sounds crazy, right? But you're genetically you got what you you got genetics like basketball. I don't care how much I work hard, I'm not going to be seven foot. Doesn't matter how hard I got, no matter how strong my mind frame is. But when you're talking about going into a cage with somebody that the same weight as you, you got to step on the scale. You know, that is like, you are, that's eliminating all of the excuses. You're, you're gifted, you can trade, you can box, you can punch, you can kick, but no matter who you are, there's going to be some point in the fight 
that you're going to hit some adversity. So whether it's the first round, second round, third round, or first five, six, seven seconds of it, you're going to hit adversity at some point. So what's going to set the elite guys apart is the mind frame. If you talk to most fighters, right, and, and sometimes you see they go on like a, a win streak or a lose streak, and you talk to them, you say, what, what was the difference? It was the confidence. Because I don't care who you are, if you hear something over and over and over and over again, you start to believe it, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. So it's, it's, it's that inner dialogue that you got to have with yourself, whether it's business, whether it's life, whether it's sports, that you got to sit there and say, listen, what happened to me yesterday or, or, or what happened to me early on in the day is not going to dictate tomorrow. It's not going to dictate the rest of my day. Like you always hear people say, oh, man, I had a really horrible day. Did you really have a horrible day or you had like a really like a bad five minutes, a bad hour, a bad four hours? So it's like don't let a small part of your life just destroy and ruin your life or a small moment dictate everything. Yeah, I love that. I don't do it enough, but I do from time to time practice like affirmations in the morning. And I totally, I mean, you can see the difference. I can personally see the difference in my own life. If you say something enough times in your own head, you really start to believe it. And I feel you start to almost like more for just like see it and become whatever you start telling yourself. Yeah, there's no, how many times, it sounds wild, but I remember I, I talk, I tell people all the time, I'll talk about, I'll talk about somebody, I'll think about somebody and literally they'll call. Or they'll, they'll text me. They'll be <laughs> yeah. able to something. I'm just like, we don't realize this. Like, I'm not saying what people believe in is right, what people believe in is wrong, but I believe in energy, right? Like, it's scientifically proven that there's energy. And I'm a big believer in, like, like whatever like-minded things you're, you're trying to attract, you're going to attract. Like, I'm a true, true believer that, that it's not just thinking about it, but it's actually putting action into place. So you put the two together and you're gonna be bound for greatness, man. Like no matter what it is. We all I don't care who we are, we all are amazing and great and gifted at something. It's just we don't realize what we're really good at because it comes easy for us. Mm. When you were in the UFC, were you doing any did you do any like train like mental training or did you have like a mental coach or hypnosis or anything like that? It's so innocent, so wild, man. I after I left the UFC I started doing so much more personal development after that. And it doesn't <laughs> all the time that I, that I played football, I wrestled, like I, I had a really good, like athletic life, right? I was super successful in high school, super successful in college, you know, had super success once I started fighting. So it was like, it was weird. It's like, I really didn't have too many adversities that would say, listen, let's do some personal development. And it all like happened by, by through business, which is mm. the craziest thing ever. And I started <laughs> like, I wish I would have done more of these things as a young kid. I wish I would have did more mindset training. I wish I would have pushed my mindset because there's so many kids that I played high school football with, basketball, wrestling, that were so athletic, so gifted, but they lacked the mindset. And when it comes to mindset, it's a it's a fancy word that everybody likes to throw around, right? But it boils down to you know, mindset dictates everything. You're talking about your 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 dedication. You're talking about your discipline. You're talking about your work ethic. If you have a strong mindset, all those things are going to play into part with it. So all of those little intangible things is what can set a kid apart from being a varsity athlete and getting to the next level in college. Getting a guy from the college level to the pro level. Getting a guy from the pros to becoming an all-star. It's like leveling up. You have to yeah. to level up. I don't think it's going to get a kid that's a JV athlete, a JV ability, 
with a big mindset, now all of a sudden go to the pros. It's not gonna work like that. But if he has that that JV ability, and now you give him the right mindset, you coach him, you work with him, he'll be able to level up, and now he become a varsity player. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. Sounds like now with your new mindset, you you got to make a another run at the UFC. No, let me tell you something. It's the craziest thing. Like I still train with some of these guys, man. I'm like, and I it's like it's wild because everything started to slow down. And I remember having a conversation with a lot of veterans and stuff. And that was the best gift ever, man, being on a TV show with a lot of the guys. You get to see and talk to so many different people on so many different levels, champions after champions. And after, like, I always want to live in the moment. But after, like, playing it back in my head now, I everything they said makes so much more sense. They're like, yo, when you hit that 10-year mark in the sport, everything slows down. doesn't matter if you start when you're 50 or you start when you're 20. Once you get, like, 10 years of competing at the highest level on your belt, Everything slows down. So now I'm training with these guys and sparring. It's like everything's like in slow motion. I'm like, this is so crazy. Like, I see things before it happens. I see things. And it's like, my biggest thing is like, wow, like, like this is all coming true now. It's all making sense. And like, I truly, truly, one of my biggest regrets, like I said earlier, was not setting my goals higher because I'm training with some of the best guys in the world. And I'm doing really well. And I'm just like, they're having a lot of success. You know, I should have the same success. But it's like I rush. I rush. I want it now. Like I, I want it now, now, now. And I look back now. I'm like, listen, I can make a run at it right now. And I feel super confident. I don't know if it's my, my competitiveness because I do realize that father time is undefeated. But I say it all the time. Like I know for a fact, like I want to fight at least three to four more times. Like I know I got a bunch left in me. But it has to make the right sense for me because I always came in with the business mindset. Yeah. And I, I realized that, like I said, father time's undefeated. There's 25-year-old, 26-year-old kids that are coming here that they're training four or five times a day. They're doing everything right. And I know, I know father time's undefeated. So that's the biggest thing. That's why you see it's so hard for us athletes to leave this sport. But most of the time, they don't have anything else to fall back on. But the, the love of competition just keeps a hold on. Yeah. So I want to, I want to get to that in a little bit. So just going backwards a bit. So you, you, you lost over a hundred pounds within six months and you had your first professional fight. Well, my first professional fight, I fought heavyweight. So a lot of people don't realize that I finished my career at middle, uh, middleweight. I fought at middleweight and my last fight was actually welterweight. Man, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I started my first fight. I had to lose weight to get to 265. That's the heavyweight limit. So you could be 250, but once you get to 266, you have to lose weight. So I was 320-something pounds. So I lost around 70, 75 pounds in like a six-month period to get to 265. But you know how cutting weight is. So I really just more like 50 pounds because you know, the last 15, 20 pounds of this water weight. So I cut the weight to get there. And then I did well my first two matches. I was like, this is great. I love it. And as I got more success, I worked out harder and harder. And then the weight was just like falling off. In a perfect world, I would love to be a heavyweight because I feel like those guys are like, you know, most unathletic guys. The, the, the bigger, stronger, faster guys who are that big, they're probably playing in the NFL. They're probably playing basketball. So the athletic pool is like smaller. But I just kept losing weight. The harder I trained, the more I worked, the more weight I lost, the more weight I lost until I got down to 185 and now I try to stay around 200, 220, like, you know, that, that range. So I lost over a hundred pounds and was able to keep it off. 
that in in and of itself is like incredible, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure there's people who will listen to this who, who want to lose weight, maybe not that much, maybe that much. How do you even go about that's, that's obviously a huge, forget your your whole career that in and of itself is a huge, huge undertaking. It's honestly, I truly believe that it's not looking at it as a big picture, right? It's breaking things down one second, one day at a time. It's literally, you cannot say, I'm going to lose 100 pounds. Can't do that. You got to say, I'm losing one pound at a time. Like, that's it. Just focus on that one pound and set small, small little goals. And if you're consistent with anything, you can be super successful. Like I tell people all the time, right? If you lose one pound a week, one pound a week, which is not, not hard. Like, that's not, it's not, it's not easy. But it's not hard. If you lose one pound a week, you can lose over 50 pounds in a year. Mm. So it's just being consistent. I'm assuming you start working out a lot more, but I mean, you were already playing football a lot. So was your diet the biggest thing? I think honestly, it was just the, the amount of the work I was doing. Like, like football is a different sport. Yeah. When college, like it was all about getting bigger, getting bigger, getting bigger, getting bigger. And like, I, like I, we didn't have real nutritionists that sat there. Like we had strength and conditioning coaches. We had regular position coaches. But nobody really sat there and talked to a, a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid on how to eat, right, what what to put in your body. So realistic, I remember like going to my dorm room at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I got to gain weight. So, hey, we order some pizza. Then we order this and we order that. And then you'll work out, you'll lift weights. So I was like a big, bulky guy. I wasn't like – like a blob of fat. So for me, it was just about slowing down the food intake because after football was over, being in corporate America, all I did was take out clients, wine and dine, eat lunch, eat breakfast out, eat everything out. And I really wasn't had the same activity level. Yeah. Introducing that activity level and actually be you know conscious of what I'm putting in my body, it made a big difference because the more you work out, the more you say, I'm not wasting that workout. Like I, I worked my butt off. So now I'm gonna eat right, so I get so I get the right foods in my body. Yeah, when when you lost all that weight, did you feel? Did you physically feel like totally different? Like another human being. Like I used to have back problems. I used to have back pain. I would go to bed. I'll wake up, and my lower back would be killing me. I was, and it got to the point where I just said, "This is just what life is." Like I, I'm like, in my mind, I was like, "It's all the years of playing football." I thought it was all the years of you know running a controlled car accident, hitting somebody full speed. But reality was just, your my body wasn't meant to, 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 to hold weight. And the craziest part is, is I look at myself now, and when I get out of shape now, I'm like, I get all, I get all, I got I to I diet, I, I got to get my body right. But then I'm like, think my mind, if I see a picture, I'm like, if I think I'm out of shape now, <laughs> 25 pounds, with my mirror broken, what the heck was I doing? <laughs> It's just like your perception of, of your reality starts to shift as you're consistently doing something. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's losing weight, whether it's being a better brother, being a better sister, being a better husband, father, whatever it is, like we all have room for improvement, room for growth. And we can get that done if we just truly, truly just be super, super consistent. And that's going to be the, the trick. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm assuming after you, you had a few professional fights in a, in diff, ring of combat, right? You were in ring of combat. And then how how do you end up on the ultimate fighter? And for those that are listening, the ultimate fighter, is it still going on? I don't, I'm not sure. Still going on. Nothing's really going on now with the quarantine. But yeah. uh, over there, they'll still shoot the, the, the show. 
This is they're on season twenty five right now. So it's pretty much it's like the recruiting process. It's like the recruiting process of the mixed martial arts for UFC. So my story with the Ultimate Fighter is crazy because I was supposed to be on season seventeen of the Ultimate Fighter. So I flew out to Vegas. I interviewed. There's like a big interview process. So everybody flies out. You got to pay for your own room and board. You fly out. It's like the biggest interview, sports interview. It's like the NFL combine, right? So you sit there you in a room full of, you know, 5, 10, 15 different executives, Dana White, Sean Shelby, all of the, the Pilgrim, the production team, the UFC team, and they interview you. But then you got to go out, you got to wrestle, you got to hit pads, and then you got to do jiu-jitsu with random strangers. So you don't have, like, your pad holder. You don't have anybody. It's completely random. So most people I don't know, like, a good pad holder can make anybody look great. So if you're with somebody completely random, somebody that's not so good can make you look bad. <laughs> yeah. That process, and it was supposed to be a multi-weight show. It was supposed to be 185. Sorry, it was supposed to be 205 and 185. That was John Jones and I think Rashard Evans was the coaches on that season. And they selected me to do 205. I've never fought 185 in my life. And I weighed in at like 230 when I went there. Cause it was like right after a fight or something. So I was two thirty, and then literally they were like, "All right, last minute." I came home. I quit my job. I was like training full time to go on a seven week show because you had to fight to get in the house. So I was training, training, training. Two weeks before I was supposed to fly out to Vegas, they called me and said they decided to drop the two hundred five division. They like, "Could you make one eighty Like, "Heck yeah, I can make one eighty five. Never made it before in my life. But I was like, "Listen, I put my mind to it. I'm gonna make it." They said, "Okay." Three days of fall supposed to fly out. I'm like, yo, what the hell's going on? I get my plane ticket yet. Yeah, what's going on? They called me and said, yo, sorry, but we can't take the chance on you. We never seen you fight at 185. You never made the way. We cannot afford you to miss weight on the show. We spent way too much money. And they pretty much said, sorry, better than that next time. So I got booted off the show. So I'm heartbroken. I quit my job. I'm like, this cannot be real. This is not happening. And I had, I was like lost, but I said, screw them. I'm going to show them that I can make it. So literally, I took my next fight at 185. So I continued to lose the weight. I made weight, and then it turned out that my opponent had, like, hepatitis. So I couldn't even fight. So I made the weight for no reason. I was beyond pissed off. But I was like, I want to show them that I could do it. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to get the job done. And then sure enough, some months passed by. They filmed that show. I knew so, at that point I was Uriah Hall. So me and Uriah were supposed to fight so many times. He fought Calvin Gaslam in the, in the, in the finale. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, that's supposed to be my show. I'm supposed to be fighting on it. Months and months and months passed by. And then Ally Quinto was like, yo, you're going to go try out for season 20? I mean, 19? I was like, I'm not going back there. There's no way, man. They, they, they broke my heart one time. I'm done. I'll get my way. I'll get my way there. And at that point I was going through my divorce. I was going through my divorce. I was like broken. I was broken. I was mentally depressed. I was friggin', I was at that point financially broken, emotionally broken, everything. And I was like, I'm not doing it. I can't afford to fly to Vegas. I can't do it. And she's like, listen, they know you. Like you like season seventeen, like you were there, like let's call them up. I was like, nah, forget it. It's not it wasn't meant to be. And Al literally pushed me, said, Yo, pick up the phone and freaking call him. You got all their numbers. I called the lady. She remembered me from season 17. She's like, you know, can you come here to try out? Listen, listen, I can't, I can't get there now. She's like, all right. She hung up. She's like, all right, I'll call you back. I'm like, oh, okay. I said, she's blowing me off. 
She literally hung up the phone and like two hours later, she called me back. She's like, everybody loved you the first time. She's like, don't worry about it. When can you come out here? We'll fly you out here to get your medicals done. Flew out, got the medicals done. And then they literally said, all right, this show is 185 and 205. Which one do you want to do? I said, I'm doing 185. They said, yeah. <laughs> yeah and at that point, I was like 215. Like, you're a big guy. I'm like, 185. They're like, yo, we're not going to cancel. The, we're, doing, we're doing both weights. I'm like, no, I'm doing 185. And I literally stuck to my gun. They tried to push me to do 205. I said, I'm doing 185. They're like, all right. And long story short, out of all those fighters, like within three years, I was on the show. And I wanted to compete. I won the whole entire thing, six-figure contract. Like it literally changed my life. Because I didn't have millions and millions of dollars to market and do all the things that the UFC did for me. So I'm always, always, always grateful to the UFC. How many months did it go from when you quit your job, when you had the first chance and they ended up telling you they weren't doing they weren't going to be moving forward till you got the second chance how many months was that it was probably like a good i want to say like probably good like five or six months so i had to get a second job so after i quit i had a couple fights and listen people think that if you fight you're rich like that's the furthest thing from the truth yeah and on a smaller region of promotions like if you have great sponsors like i was fortunate at this company golden gear <laughs> <laughs> so i was fortunate to have really really good sponsors so, like, that helps a lot. But people think that if you fight, you're rich. Like, that's the first thing from the truth. You got to pay your managers if you have a manager. You have to pay your trading partners. You have to pay, you know, your, your living expenses. I had kids. I had a family. I had bills. So there's a lot of expense that goes on. And then you, now you tell me you got to train to fight the toughest guys in the world. And so I literally, I kept on fighting, never stopped fighting. And then I got a regular job to, to help support. And then after that, once I got on the actual show, like my the, the company I worked with, they were super understandable. Like CEO of the companies were cool. They they were like they were big UFC fans. So like, listen, it's a great opportunity. Heck yeah, go for it. So you know they they were very very supportive. After I came back and won the show, like I stayed there for like three four months, and they got super weird. I couldn't do it because I'll go into a house and people were like, you stand like you look really really familiar. It's like weird. <laughs> the point where I was like, listen man, if I'm gonna take this thing seriously, I gotta like just dedicate. You know, my life to, to the sport. When you were at the Anderson Silva, Forrest Griffin fight, did you call the, the CEO then and tell him, hey, I made it? No, he was, he at that point, the CEO was actually at the fight with me. He was there with me. Uh, he was there with me at the fight. We sat at Rickside. He got us all his tickets to the, to, the, to the fight. And he was just like, yo, man, be serious. Because I guess he saw something in my eyes, man, because I was like laser focused. He's like, if you're serious, he's like, I'll give you a shot at it. And like, even to this day, like, we're still in contact. Like, he literally... He changed my life. Like, he changed my life. He was, like, there's a, there a lot of different people that played a key role in, in my life. You know, some people that realize it, and some people that don't even have a clue that they were, they were, they were actually impacted. I never forgive. I never forget, like, like, the people that helped me get to, like, this stage. Because realistically, like, if I was just a financer and in finance and in banking, I wouldn't be doing podcast shows. I wouldn't have the opportunity to, to, to speak. And I wouldn't have the opportunity to coach other business owners because they'll be like, what, what, what experience do you have? Like, like, like who are you? What, what makes you, you? So the UFC, Dana White, I'm always forever grateful. They gave me a platform that they literally, I literally lived my dream out in, in front of like the world. Yeah. Like, I realized like I got a best-selling book that I wrote. I figured I have a, I won a New York Emmy for like, a documentary of my life. So there's like a lot of things like I don't like talk about it. I don't talk about it because, like, 
I feel like you can't get too caught up in the moment. You got to kind of, you got to always like always be moving forward. At some point, I'll sit back and I'll like look at the things I did in my life and be like proud. If that like if that makes any sense, like not that I'm not proud now, but I feel like I've got a lot left to do. And the UFC is like a little, a big little story in my life. Like they they gave me the platform. So when you're in the the Ultimate Fighter house, what's what's that experience like? Dude, it's the crazy. It's crazy, man. It's so crazy. People don't realize because the shows the shows on TV for 13 weeks. Then after the 13 weeks, then you go you go like to the season finale. But while that 13 weeks is playing out, you already filmed it. You already recorded it. So we're locked away, and like like I feel like a, a desert island of just us. You don't have no telephone, no books, no nothing. The only book you could have is a Bible or whatever religious readings you want to read. So you're locked away. You're locked away. No TV, no newspaper, nothing. The only people you could communicate with is is other fighters. You can't even talk to the producers. You can't talk. You can't talk to the film crew. You can't talk to nobody. What about your family? You can't even talk to your family. My son broke his arm in a football game while I was on the show. I'd never seen him break his arm, never seen him in the cast, never seen anything. Like he literally, when I came back, he told me about it. Oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy. Birthdays, you can't, you know, you can't communicate. Like nothing, absolutely nothing. It's, it's the wildest. It's so wild. And it's like a science project. They know exactly how to, to rub you the wrong way. If somebody's never cut weight, you can't even understand how it is to, like, to cut weight and do that for a fight, but let alone do that for multiple fights in a seven-week period. So for me, I won the show. So every time you win, you move on. So I had four fights in six weeks. Yeah, that's crazy. Four fights in seven weeks. And it's like, so you got to make weight all those times. Then, you know, you don't know who you're fighting. You, now you're around 12 other fighters. And obviously, you know, you're going to bump heads with different personalities. You're going to be cutting weights. You're going to already be grumpy. It's, dude, it's, it's, it's wild. People think it's like a big vacation. And they think that, you know, you're, it's 13 weeks. So they think it's over a two, three month period. But they don't realize, like, some guys fight three days apart from the last time they had a fight. Yeah, that's nuts. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But TV world, it's 13 weeks. Yeah. It's wild. People are like, man, I don't know why this guy didn't go harder. <laughs> when you were on the show, I'm sure it's reality TV, so they can they can make you out to be however they want to portray you. But did you have, a, like, what was your mindset when you were on the show? It's crazy because when I went on the show, I, I said, I'm not getting comfortable with nobody. I'm not talking to anybody. This is me versus everybody, me versus everybody. And it ended up being that you build bonds with people, man. Like, you get friends there. You get people that you truly care about. And the thing that, that got to me probably the most was how you're portrayed. Because what I did know, you know, it's reality TV, yes, but they do a lot of cutting. They do a lot of editing. So you can't change, like, your facial your facial feature. You can't change, like, your haircut drastically. Like, you sign a contract saying you can't do that or they'll find you. Because if you notice, they you all wear, like, very similar clothing. So they'll edit what happens in week one all the way to week seven. Like, they'll chop it up and make it for the storyline. So for me, it was crazy because I was bullied as a kid. So I never, like, would let anybody pick on anybody, mess with anybody. And when you think about a fighter getting picked on, you're like, that's not happening. But it was my season was going on in the house. Like, if people would lose a fight and somebody would, like, dog them, make fun of them, and I'll, I'll always be the one to stand up for the person. And they edited it where it was like I was picking fights with everybody in the house. So <laughs> it always looked like I'm the asshole. So it was crazy 
after I'll do every single interview, people will be like, oh my gosh, you're so much nicer than I thought that on the show. I thought you were a jerk. And I'm sitting there like, because like, you live it, so you really don't know until you actually see it on the actual TV show. And you're like, dude, I'm not that guy. It was weird. But I'm a big believer that you know, everything happens for a reason. When people get a chance to actually know you, then they'll figure it out. But, you know, some people don't recover from it. Like, I've seen people on the show that they're just caught up in TV world. They didn't even have that much success on the show, but they feel like that, like, like somebody owes them something because they were on that show. It's wild. While you're there, obviously, you're just living, breathing, fighting, and fighting more. Yeah. You're training twice a day? Training twice a day, every day. Some days it'll be, you know, three times. Um, but it's like, it's, it gives you the first time to actually be a professional athlete because you don't have to worry about bills. You don't have to worry about mortgage. You don't have to worry about kids. You don't have to worry about nothing but training, eating, sleeping, making weight, fighting. So in that aspect, the physical part was to be way easier. It was way easier because anything you needed, any meals, anything you made, you were on a list and they'll physically go and get it for you. They'll do the shopping for you because you couldn't be in the outside world. They had doctors for you. They had literally everything set up. Your only job was to train, fight, and create entertainment for them. Was there anyone there that either came in to train with you or that was on the, the show with you during your season where you were just like, oh, this guy's a killer? Oh, dude, there were some studs, man. That season, they, I, dude, we met, I met so many different killers, man. Like, I was the first time at Ray Sifo. He came in. I'm like, oh, this guy's, you know, I'm thinking this guy's old. That guy hit like, 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 like a savage. There were so many different guys that came in. At that point, Vinny Magalese came in. He wasn't even in the UFC at that point. He was just like a BJJ guy. Yeah. Was massive. <laughs> like, this dude fights 205. He was massive. I think he was, he was like 300 pounds with abs, which is crazy. Like, yo, when I say crazy, I was like, and I'm used to seeing guys, you know, I'm used to seeing big guys playing football, but he was just a massive man and he could just move super well. Like, people don't realize how good that guy is because he didn't have the best success in the UFC. But when you talk about ground game, because, like, he came as one of our guest media day coaches, he was, like, freakish. Big guy that could move, athletic. It was just insane, insane. Yeah, I know people, I've heard interviews of people talking about his Brazilian jiu-jitsu and they say he's a, he's a freak. Dude, it's crazy. It's like it's crazy when you see somebody like that. When you see him, and you're like, "How in the world this guy's amazing?" Rashad Evans came down. Dude, we had a bunch of we had a bunch of guys. Mike Tyson. Like it was just it was just crazy to see some of the people, man. It was wild. So you you obviously know you have the you have the shot. You're fighting in the finale. So that's the first time that you're finally fighting in front of like a huge a huge crowd and the main event, right? Correct. Yeah, it was it was wild, man. That was the Mandalay Bay in front of thousands of people live, you know, millions of people home. And the craziest thing was that was probably the calmest I've ever been in a fight. Oh, really? It was weird. Like, it didn't make sense. I was, I was worried in the locker room because I'm like, yo, I don't feel nervous. This is like, this is like freaking me out. Like, why do I feel nervous? I just felt like I was like, bro, I was like playing with house money because I was the underdog. I was like a huge underdog. And it was like, I, like, I have nothing to lose. I was actually fighting one of my closest friends on the show in the finale. And it was just like, in my eyes, I was like, listen, I'm playing with house money here, man. Like, I know my abilities. He knows my abilities. I couldn't understand why I was on the dog. <laughs> it was like, whatever, whatever it is, let it be. Because I, I, you know, 
as an athlete at that level, it's just like you never feel like you could lose to anybody. Like, like if you're going in there thinking you're an underdog, you shouldn't probably be there in the first place. So for me, I was always, always laser focused. Um, and always thought I could win, but I it was like a quiet storm for me, man. The 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 crowd didn't bother me. Nothing really bothered me. It was super comfortable. I've and it was just it was really weird. I was more like, why am I not nervous? <laughs> yeah. When you win that fight, I love the video of you when you're like you're like rubbing <laughs> your face and you're just in like total ecstasy. Like that's that video is just like total like I'm living life right now. I've I've done it. What were you experiencing in, in that moment when you realized you won? Yeah, honestly, man, it was so crazy. It was like everything everything planned out the way it was supposed to. Like everything worked out the way it was supposed to. And you never really, really hear or see that. And for me, it was like I had so many obstacles to get to that point that it was just it was just a relief of everybody that that put their faith, their hard work, their trust in me. It was a, it was like a big thank you because what people don't realize when you're fighting on a regional scene, man, it's it's a lot of people that that are with you and you're having success, and the second something like derails, they fall off and they they don't want they don't want nothing to do with you, and a lot of times, like you, you, you get so used to winning, you get so used to success that the second you get some adversity, some people fall. Some people. That feeling was just a culmination of everybody, my whole entire team, putting all their time and effort into me, and it was like a me paying them back, and actually me showing my family, like, hey, I didn't make a stupid decision leaving corporate America. Hey, I didn't do a stupid thing by walking away from a four hundred one k. I literally chased my dreams, I chased my goals, I chased my passions. And even in the darkest times where it didn't look like I was making the right decision, I made the right decision. Like now my life is is completely changed forever. That was probably the last day I ever walked into a, like a real, I say real job, <laughs> like something that I probably didn't want to do. Like everything I do now is because I truly, truly believe in it. And I want to do it because, like, I, I wholeheartedly believe in it. I love that. So after you won that fight, you had three. You had three more fights in the UFC. Three more fights in the UFC. Yep. And you lost those. What was it like? I guess that you know, after the first loss, second loss, the the third loss. What was what was that experience like for you? It was frustrating as heck because I catapulted so quickly, right? Like yeah. I, I went from fighting on a regional scene in a warehouse of 300 people <laughs> to less than two years fighting in the biggest organization in the world. So for me, you know, all my learning was done at the highest level. So like, because I started so late that I didn't have time to go slow. Like if I would have waited and went slow and didn't take opportunities, it would have spoiled past me by. Like I would have been too old to, to compete. Even if they don't think I was too old, they would have like the UFC would be like, well, why would we take a risk on a 34 year old guy? It doesn't logically make sense. Like if he does, if he is great and successful, like how long do we really have to to market? I had to do everything I did like now. But like for me, like my first UFC loss was was super frustrating because I was winning the whole entire fight. We're going into the third round, and like literally. If I wasn't so mentally strong and like I coasted, I probably could have, you know, walked out with a win. And instead, like I was being super aggressive and ended up getting knocked out for the first time ever. And like that was super frustrating because, you know, that was my first time ever getting knocked out, my first time ever losing. And I was like heartbroken because I was like winning the whole fight. And 
it taught me something like one never disrespect your opponent and not don't realize how dangerous they are whether it's the first round second round third round and then after that like I was in Jersey and I got uh, that, that that this was probably the worst one ever because when you lose if you get knocked out or choked out you're like I lost like hey that's it when you put it in the hands of the judges and you you know you win a fight everybody sees it the way that it's supposed to be except for the judges that's super frustrating so you know it was like I said it was more confidence thing it was like what am I doing wrong and then you start questioning everything you start questioning everything like did I train hard enough did I diet good enough did I do this did I do that and what it taught me is like all you can do is give your thousand percent best, whether it's business, whether it's fighting, whether it's football, whether it's coaching, parenting, whatever it is, you got to give it to your all. So you leave all doubt because the second thing, the worst thing you ever want to do is second guess yourself in business, anything. And that's what I, you start to do. So you start trying to change everything and the things you were doing right, you, you change it up and, and you just get to this whole confusion. You forget why you started this sport competition for love of it, you know? And that's the problem with the UFC with that I hope that they get rid of is the pressure of winning. Like it's already more not pressure already, but a lot of these guys fight for you know half win bonus, half purse. So it's like if you win, you get more money than you than you do if you, you lose. Like boxing, you don't see that. These guys got a purse. You know how exactly how much you're getting. You know, there's not like you know, they give you a bonus is because you got a bonus, not because you get twenty thousand to fight, twenty thousand to win. Crazy. You don't get the bounty, you get the best out of a lot of guys because they're really they're being super conservative. When you're talking about doubling your paycheck, yeah. <laughs> that could be that could be huge. So I think that's something they should get rid of soon. But we'll we'll see. We never know. Yeah, it's it sounds it's really interesting because it sounds like after your UFC career, that's when you started to really dive deep into all this personal development, personal growth, mindset, mind work. It's interesting. I mean, just listening on this end, you know, like what if you had that work or it sounds like also, you know, at that point, it wasn't even something that maybe you were aware of, right? Like it. Yeah, you know, I, honestly, I wasn't even, I didn't really know about it. Like, like if you hear people talk about sports psychologists and all that stuff, like I always knew that. I was mentally tough. Like, I knew I was mentally tough because there would be fights that people say, all right, you have no, why are you fighting that guy? That guy's been training forever. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to find a way to win. I'm going to find a way. I was like, I don't think. So I always knew I was mentally tough. I always wanted, like, the biggest challenge. Um, I didn't know why. Like, when you can start putting things together, start pieces together, and those losses played a huge role in it because, you know, when you, when you, when you categorize yourself as, like, an athlete or you can categorize yourself as a doctor or whatever it is, and you start to have not as much success as you used to have, and you start questioning that stuff. So where do you have to get the answers from? From within. Like, you're not going to find the answer from some magical guru. You're not going to find an answer from, from, from somebody outside. You have to find it from within. Because nobody, nobody realizes this, right? But over 70% of the conversation we have is with ourselves. So if you, the only way you're going to be able to develop yourself is if you really, truly, you know, lose all the bias and break it down step by step, inch by inch. And that's when I, like, after losing and, and, and actually having some adversity, having some failures, it was actually able to make me a better person. It was able to help me actually grow. So am I, am I happy I lost those fights? Heck no. I'm the, super, I'm the most competitive person on the planet. If I'm skipping rocks, I want to win. But literally, it helped me get to where I'm at now. Like, I don't know if I'll be a successful business person as I am now. I don't know if I'll say, you know, you know, 
been coaching people or, or, or helping them grow their business because I learned all that stuff, you know, through personal development myself. Like I tell people all the time, I wasn't always this positive person I am now. Like I was a hothead kid that was like chasing his brother's dream. You know, like my brother, if you ask anybody, my brother was supposed to be a professional athlete. My brother was supposed to be a professional fighter. He was like a freak of nature. I was always Julian's his little brother. So it's like, like, this wasn't the life that I was supposed to have, you know? And I'm grateful of it because I'm doing the most with, with, with what I was dealt. And, you know, and it's just truly, I think it's my legacy is, like, the UFC was like a small part of my legacy. Like, that was what's going to springboard me to the ability to, to help and change other people's lives now. Because I thought winning the ultimate fighter was the end-all, be-all. To get all the emails, the text messages, the DMs, this, the, that, the sponsors, the the different opportunities to go all around, fly around the world. Like the USC flew me to Ireland. Like I, I traveled the world, dude. Crazy stuff. Like I thought that was the most prominent, the most significant, the most relevant, everything. Like that, that was it. Still like writing my book and talking about the adversities I went through in my life and having a kid DM me and say, thank you, you saved my life. I thought about committing suicide because I was bullied and picked on and molested and this and that. And to hear that you went through obstacles in your life and you were able to do this and come out on this side, like you saved my life. Getting an email like that was like fighting ain't nothing, dude. Like fighting, that, that was the fun part. Like my legacy is going to be about helping people change their life. And that, after hearing that, was when I was like, all right, it clicked. UFC was just a vehicle to give me an opportunity to do great things. So were you, were you happy when you, when you hung up the gloves? Uh, I don't know if I, I was, see, I went through like a phase, man. Like I went through a phase where I always say I want to leave on my terms and I don't yeah. just for money. Because when you have a name, like they'll bring you in for somebody that they think that they think can beat you just so that person could piggyback and take all your fans and then take your notoriety. They can say, well, we had the UFC tough 19 champion and our prospect beat him or whatever. So I was like, like, I always want to dictate how I like in my career. Like I, like, I never want to like somebody like to use my name to try to like springboard themselves. Like I get it. It's great. A business what I can see what they're doing, but I always want to have like control of my life. And for me, it's always tough. I'm a competitor. So I always feel like I have, I have more left. Like I know I can physically do it, but I want to make sure I'm doing it for the right reasons. And I also want to make sure that if I'm going to compete, I'm going to get paid. The right amount. I know what I what I can bring to the table, and I feel like sometimes they take advantage of fighters. Mm. Of they're doing what they love, so they don't want to pay them as much as they should. And you know, even some of these small promotions, man, these guys make a really really great purse, and they don't take care of some of these fighters. Yeah, so, super frustrating to see it. Now you have a coaching business, and I know you have a a YouTube page with a lot of awesome videos. Um, is, is coaching ma- mainly what you're doing now? So I have, um, I have my own gym. I opened up my own gym. It's more group fitness, you know, not like mixed martial arts, that stuff. Like we do have like boxing, kickboxing classes, but it's more about the person to just transform their, their life through the physical, mental aspect of it. So I have a gym. That's like my main thing. I do the coaching, which is a big part. So, you know, I never brag about the people I coach. I coach a bunch of people that people will probably be like, holy smokes. Like that, that never, if they don't tell somebody that I coach them, I don't, I don't, I don't 
try to piggy to piggyback off of them. But I've coached, I've done speaking engagements from all you know Fortune 500 companies. You know, I, I pride myself in, in helping young kids, you know, see that they have a, a goal, a dream, a vision ahead. So I do all that stuff. You know, that's like my main goal. I do my motivational speaking with uh with uh motivation, a couple of different uh YouTube channels. So I try to do that. Do my do my hat in acting. Uh, I'm actually excited. Uh, this Tuesday, this Tuesday, uh, I'm actually airing on the Fifty Cent Show for Life. It's been going on every Tuesday night on ABC. So you're gonna see my uh my uh my prime time debut in acting. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't do it too much. <laughs> I think I was watching some motivational video and. Maybe it was like Motiversity, you said. Yeah. I heard a voice and I'm like, oh, that voice sounds so familiar. And then I, I hit details and I saw it was you and I was cracking up. It was funny. Oh, man, it's so wild because I didn't realize how many people watch those videos. Like when they, when they reached out to me and like, we did like a, uh, we did a, a endorsement deal, I didn't have like, all right, well, this is great. They're going to really pay me to do this. It doesn't make any sense. And then just the outflow of people that were contacting me, like, oh my gosh, I, I was running, I was working out. I was going to a meeting. I heard you. What you said was so powerful. And when I was making those initial audio clips, like I was doing it almost like therapy for myself. Like I was yeah. venting and talking to the universe, and to see that my issues, my problems, my my words could help people on so many different levels, and for it to go, you know, so so wide. Like I think last year alone it had over ten million listens. That's so crazy. People like listen to my. It's it's crazy. It's like I can't even wrap my head around it sometimes and it's like it, it, it's cool man to, to be able to help people solve their problems and be rewarded financially for it that's just a bonus and that's why like i got into the coaching because like i literally did it for like nothing you know so i, I can help people market i can help people do all stuff i went to college for it i'm like you know what i, I can use some of this this uh this knowledge i have and not just knowledge book smart but like life experience yeah so, that's the, that's the ultimate win. I really find it fascinating that now you're a coach helping helping others. And it sounds like not just the on the physical side, but also on the mental side. And it sounds like that's like the one area that it sounds like, you know, you, you, you wish you, again, like sports psychology, I feel like only has become more and more of a thing recently, like in the last few years and uh, sports hypnotists and things, things like that. But yeah, I, I find it fascinating. That's sort of what you're doing now. My, my cousin was actually a professional swimmer and he tried out for the Olympics twice and both times he didn't qualify by under, under a second. And um, I also always think, you know, what if he had some sports psychologists who like, it sounds like, you know, once you're at that level, you know, I, I know there's there's uh, that famous Al Pacino, but it really is a game of inches at that point. Oh my gosh, it's so close! Like, like you don't realize it until you're able to train with some of the best. Like, I've trained and sparred with like the number one people in the world. I've played physical football like the number four draft pick. I play. I, I I fought against the number one ranked guy in the world. Like, when you get to the highest level, right? It is such a small, tiny detail that sets the best guy from the worst guy. If you look at the best fighter in the UFC and the worst fighter in the UFC, they're like this much apart. Yeah. It's like there's like a little, there's little, there's little flaws. And that's why if you look at some guy's records, you'll be like, how in the world did that guy be that guy, but that guy ended up being that guy. And you look where they are now and you're just like, it doesn't make logical sense. But it's just like, yo, any given night, 
any given time, any given place, like something could just magically shake up the whole entire world. And it's like everybody's a, a, an expert when, when the event's over. <laughs> I can't watch sporting events. I hate watching fighting at bars because you have the, the fly-by-night guy that never trained a day in the life. Why can't that guy just get up? Have you ever had a black belt lay on top of you? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's the craziest thing. Like, they don't realize. Or somebody said, man, this guy is the worst. I'm like, dude, you have no idea how good that guy is. It's just that that other guy is just unreal. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, they just they can't understand it until they actually physically train. And it's the wildest thing in the planet. But it's funny, man. It's, it's, it's a crazy world. You have a crazy journey. You left your corporate job. You know, you were doing well. You, decide, you decided to commit to losing over 100 pounds. And you had a dream of making it to the UFC. And you became the ultimate fighter champion. And you fought in the UFC. What advice would you give to someone who's just finishing up high school, just finishing up college, and uh, they have they have a dream that they want to pursue? What advice would you give them? And I guess equal to that, what advice would you tell them to ignore? I'll tell them, honestly, you have the biggest gift in front of you right now, which is your youth. Like, if you're young and you don't have a ton of responsibility right now, take advantage of it. You don't know what you're going to be able to do unless you actually go and do it. If you're super passionate about something, doesn't matter what it is, just go for it. Go for it. Like, Father Time is undefeated. Like, the biggest and the worst thing I would never want to do is actually have any regret. And I figured that out super late in life because I was like, yo, when I was 27 years old, that's when it clicked. I was like, I do not want to go another hour, another minute, another second, living my life and saying, what if I would have tried this? So I was like, enough's enough. It wasn't, everybody says you were so brave, I can't believe you left security for insecurity, but I was more afraid of being average. I was afraid of letting my, 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 my dreams slip away. It was just eating at me over and over again. Like when everybody else was looking at me and saying how successful I was, I was thinking my mind I was the biggest failure ever. So it's like, like you can't live your life for anybody else but you. If you're happy being a surfer and, and working five hours a day, and it's, the, it's, it's, it's you feel fulfilled in life, then do it. If your only goal in life is to make money, don't be embarrassed by that. Go out there and be the best money earner you possibly can without hurting somebody and doing it within the lines of, of legal legalization. Like, do it. Like, just don't ever allow somebody else's vision of you to become your reality. If you can do that, then you'll truly, truly be happy because what do we like, when you look at this whole coronavirus that's going on right now, everybody's like humbled by it, right? Like, like I have multi-million dollar friends that can't make money and you'll think that they're super successful, they have big cash flow, but they're out of work for two months and their world is upside down. They're like, they're, they're on the verge of filing bankruptcy. And you're like, how, this guy makes so much money. But it doesn't matter how much you make, if, you're, if, if your cash flow is depleted, you, it just dries up. And it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, we're all in the same circumstance. So money money is like, it drives me crazy because obviously, you know, money does help you live a better life. Like this is all of what it is. But it shouldn't be the, the, the end-all, be-all about, about your well-being and your happiness. And you see that a lot of times with wealthy people after they buy all the toys and there's nothing left to buy. And you can say, you, 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 people on the outside is like, why are they so empty? Why are they so lonely? They really couldn't find something they were passionate at. 
they found what they were really, really good at that made them a lot of money, but they really couldn't find their passion. And unfortunately, you see a lot of times they take their lives. You see a lot of times that they lose all their money. It's because, you know, they reach the highest success, quote unquote success, and they're at a 10 level. And then nothing else can really amount to that. And they're always underachieving because they can't find that true passion. Mm. So as a young kid, find out what you're passionate about. Like, like really sit there and find out what you're passionate about and go after it. I'm not telling you to do what I did. Just get up and leave your job. Like it was really, it was really crazy what I did. Like, <laughs> like, I, like I had a mortgage, I had kids. I had like, if I was a single guy, just a bachelor and I did that and they'd be like, all right, great. But I just went all in on me. I was like, if I'm going to bet on anybody else, I'm going to bet on myself. Like literally I freaking walked away from security. I had kids, I had mortgage, but I said, I'm going to have to find a way to get the job done. And I just, I literally just like, just jumped in. But if a young kid come out of college, it's the perfect time, man. It's the perfect time to find yourself. Do something you're passionate about so you never have to worry about working. Yeah, I love that. I, I read a quote. I think it was after Kobe died, and I don't know. It, it went something along the lines of, the dream isn't the car, the money, the fame. The dream's waking up every day, the late nights, the early mornings, being able to wake up and practice your craft. And I really resonated with that one. No, man, that, 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 that's another one. That's another story that like, hits home, right? Like, this guy had the world, man, had the world. Like when he went up in that plane, he never in a million years thought that was going to be his last trip. Like he never thought that would be his last trip. And I don't know if it's like a disease that I have, man, but I actually truly embrace the struggle. Like there's something about being too comfortable that, that, that bothers me. I don't know if it was the way I was brought up, if it was the life I lived. Because like I never came from like a super wealthy family. Like my parents really didn't. We, we always had just enough. And I know a lot of times when I do personal development, like sometimes I handicap kids and you kind of get in your own way because you always feel like you should be living a life just enough. But for me, it was like, I feel like it's like my superpower. Like I enjoy, I embrace being like, it's almost like a hunt. Like, like if I'm trapped on a, a desert island and I'm like, you know, like this is go, go, go figure out a way to, 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 to make food and, and survive. Like I'll embrace that. Like, <laughs> crazy but you know it's it's a mindset that that's that has like developed whether it's through hardship whether it's through falling or failing it's, it's something that's developed and i think everybody has the ability to do that it's just are you willing to get uncomfortable and step out of your comfort zone and literally put yourself in circumstances that are going to do that going to challenge you going to push you i'm not telling you to go fly and just go into a desert island and just, just jump but Make yourself emotionally uncomfortable. Make yourself physically. If you hate being in front of a camera, go on Instagram and just post a video. Just just talk to the camera. Just do something that you're terrified of that that you think you could never do. And you'll be so surprised no matter how successful you think you are or how bad you feel you are, you're, you're never right. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that, I think, is, is a true gift that we all can develop because it's not athletic ability. It's not genetic. It's something that, that we can be taught. I've seen people that are super wealthy, super rich, that has that mind, that mindset that they're, they're not going to settle for anything less than their best. They're, they're ultra successful from that. So it's something that we all can learn. And you don't have to come from, you know, a, a horrible, horrible background to have that dog mentality. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been great. So many bits of gold in, in this episode. Where can people get a hold of you, follow you, drop whatever you want? And uh, yeah. First of all, man, I, it's, it's a true pleasure and honor to be on this show. You know, I know Dan for quite some time, and I'm, I'm happy that you thought about even inviting me on. Uh, I listened to a couple of your shows, and they were, they were awesome. So thanks for having me. Uh, I make it really easy to find me. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Truck Gordon, you know, something that you can always remember. EddieTruckGordon.com is my website. That's like my hub. So you can find every single thing there, you know, my foundation. I have the Eddie Truck Gordon Foundation, which is like my baby. Uh, I'm a big believer that 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 I want to give back to my community. I want to leave this world a little bit better place than, than when I first got here. And a lot of times, you know, people forget where they came from. So I always try to reach out to, to underprivileged kids, whether it's buy them jerseys for their team, whether it's help, you know, put food on the table, whatever it may be. I completely fund that myself. For the last five years, I had, did zero fundraising for it. I got to stop stop doing that. My account yells at me. <laughs> so that that's like uh, that's like my baby. Uh, you know, check me out on YouTube. You know, Danny said it's uh, YouTube.com forward slash Truck Gordon. Uh, I just want to just touch one person a day, man. That's my that's my ultimate goal. And when people share the message, it helps me leave leave my legacy behind. Because once I'm gone and I kick the bucket, those videos should be running on forever. And hopefully helping somebody, you know, make make decision to to make their life a better place. All right. Well, thank you so much, Eddie. I, this is gonna be great. I'm excited for people to listen to this. No, please, man. I thank you for having me. You're the man. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys liked that episode. This was one of my favorites so far. Just an incredible story. I really don't know anyone else who went to a professional sporting event and said, "I want to do that." And then. And I think, you know, a lot of people say that, but how many people actually say, I want to do that and I'm going to do that and then go and do it. Incredible story. If you liked it, please, please, please make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I would really appreciate it. And make sure to follow along bits of gold underscore podcast on Instagram. Also, you can find out more info at bitsofgold.co. Thank you so much and more to come soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 